and welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. My name is Jack. I'm joined this morning by Grayson and a very special guest, Mr. Les Lamphere. Les, welcome to the Chorus in the Chaos podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. If you are not familiar with Les, uh, he and I have been friends for a number of years. Um, he's the founder of the Reform Pub, if you've interacted in there. Uh, he is, some might, he may not like this, but he some refer to him as maybe the godfather of reform podcasting because of the <laughs> podcast. I'll take it. You'll take it? Okay, good. Um, he is the director of uh, Calvinist and Spirit and Truth, some excellent films, fa- uh, founder of Broken Stone Studio. And he's joining us this morning to talk about a new project he has uh, been working on that is very, very near completion. It's going to be released, I think, uh, next this coming week, right? Like, I think we're days out at this point. Um, yeah, but, but it uh, comes but out on on th- oh, you said Thursday. Okay. Okay. We'll come back. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that and how that's going to roll out uh, shortly, but his uh, project uh, cessationist new film you've been working on. So Les, thanks again for joining us. Yes. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cessationist, tell us, you got this new film coming out. Tell us about your role, the film, what, what is cessationist? So cessationist is a movie about cessationism. So what I make is theological documentaries, essentially. Um, so cessationism, if the, if your audience isn't familiar or if some, if some in the audience aren't familiar, um, is the position that is essentially saying that charismatics and Pentecostals, um, what they're doing with their, their, their beliefs about the supernatural gifts that, uh, that they're participating in, um, that that position is wrong. And those things that they're doing aren't actually real, I guess is the easiest way to put it. Um, so the, it's, it's basically the idea that when God gave, uh, these, the, um, miraculous gifts, which he did do in the first century in the early Christian church, uh, he was doing that for a reason, and he was doing it to establish the message of the apostles and uh, others in the early church. And uh, we call that the foundational period. And after that foundational period came to an end, and uh, ultimately we have the New Testament as a product of that foundational period. So once the foundational period ends and the canon is closed, then there is no longer a need for those uh, miraculous sign gifts that would point to basically God saying, listen to these men. Right. Um, and once that's over, then we don't see those things. And so um, if you think you're participating in those same things today, those things being prophecy, tongues, and healing, the gift of healing, um, well, uh, I mean, you'd have to prove, you'd have to prove that you're actually participating in these things to be, to begin with. And if you, if you really look at what, what's happening today and compare it to what was happening in the scriptures, it is, uh, none of those things actually even look the same in any way. So the question must be asked, you know, what exactly, what exactly is, is happening here? What, you know, what are you actually participating in? Right. And, um. So cessationism is saying these things have ended. So, you know, if you're, if you're speaking in tongues, uh, 
Well, it's not what the Bible says tongues is. So, um, right. You must Have you gotten something else? So, question for you. So, this 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 topic for a lot of evangelicals is really sensitive because uh, yes. there are a lot of evangelicals who are. I mean, the, the whole nature of the charismatic movement is is driven by emotions, right? There's so much emotionalism driven into it. So, therefore, That's when right. you attack these things, you're attacking their emotions. So. Have you gotten a lot of pushback? Have you gotten, have you, have you been working on this film? Have you gotten a, a lot of angry people uh, saying, oh, you don't know what you're talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so we, I mean, the, the the first feedback that we got, so we dropped a, um, a Kickstarter trailer, just cut together um, a basic uh, proof of concept. And it was, it was very, um, trying to get people's attention, very low hanging fruit. Right. So little, um, little people barking jack. like dogs. It, exactly. Yeah. It's shock jock, uh, people barking like dogs in the trailer and, um, and, uh, just, just the wildest, you know, crazy charismatic stuff. And the criticism we got was, you know, well, that's not fair. That's not what all cessationists or continuationists. That's the other position. That's not what they all do. And you should interact with the Sam storms in the, in the world. Um, I think he's an Oklahoma guy too. He's, he's out here where I'm at somewhere. If I remember correctly. Yeah. And some people don't know, uh, Sam storms, Wayne Grudem, Mm. John Piper. These are like pretty well-respected guys, uh, theologically sound for the most part. And then, it just so happens they also uh, embrace speaking in tongues and uh, mm. prof- modern prophecy and things like that. So in the second trailer, because throughout the movie, we, we definitely wanted to take that uh, idea into consideration. So the movie does deal with John Piper and Sam Storms and Wayne Grudem. <coughs> um, and so we cut the second trailer together. And put that out, and it it includes Sam Storms, and then everybody was so angry because how dare you attack <laughs> Sam Storms, yeah, uh, and put him in the same category as you know these other these other charismatics. Um, so you can't really you can't win either way. No. Um. But but yes, it is that that's really the biggest problem with trying to prove to people that you know, what you're doing is not biblical is, um, I mean, it's a very common uh, statement when you start this conversation that they will say, I've just, I've seen too much. I have experienced too much. You, there's no way you could could convince me that, you know, that person wasn't healed or, you know, that I, that I can't speak in tongues. I can, I I can feel it when I speak in tongues, I can feel it, you know? Um, that's one so, of the, the difficult things. I, I mean, yeah. as soon as you step outside of the word of God and then they're literally relying on anecdotes or personal experience, you have nothing at that point to really counteract it with. It's like, I can't, I can't trump your personal experience for you. And so I'll never get to a point where I can actually convince you. Um, at least yeah, yeah, they don't have like an the open experience. Mind. Yeah. Like the experience is, it's it's the theology. It is the theology. So you're, you're right. arguing against the fact that they had an experience and trying to tell them that the experience doesn't line up with scripture. Is it, it, it exactly? And, that, and that's that's the that's the competition, right? Because it's if if uh, 
if you're comparing someone's experience to scripture and they contradict each other, meaning if your experience or whatever you're, you're, you think you've experienced does not present itself, present itself or is uh, in line with what scripture is taught for the gift or the experience itself, you've got conflict, right? And I think that's, that's the problem where a lot of people run into. It's like, well, I can't deny my experience, even though it's not in the Bible. So therefore I've got to assume some further revelation. And, yep. and, and that's, that's really where it gets so, so dangerous. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, like my new, this is after the movie is not like mentioned inside in the movie, but um, I, when I'm, when I'm being especially spicy about the whole thing, I'll say that um, the charismatic movement is LARPing like Harry Potter <laughs> magic LARPing. <laughs> Because that's that's what you're doing. You're pretending to be participating in some kind of like magic. Yeah. That you know, God gave me these powers, and I'm out here, you know, doing these. So, and I know that's 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 offensive, but but if it's not biblical, if it's not what God uh, gifted to the the first century, then that's what you're doing. You're pretending, right, to do magic and do it. You know, pretending to do magic is fun. You know, I I yeah. I, I know, but um, it's you're for, for one, it's not real, but for two, it's, this isn't even Christian practice. So you're, you're like, you're participating in s sort of, you're kind of making up your own religion yeah, because right. of the practice of the things that you're doing. Well, I think uh, maybe six, seven years ago, I stumbled across a study where they were, they were actually interacting with people that believe they spoke in tongues and what they were doing, um, for one, they were scanning the brain and seeing the activity of the actual region in which it was working. Um, is it the same part of the brain in which when you're speaking is engaged when you're quote unquote speaking in tongues? Uh, what they found was that there was actually little to no activity in that sphere of the brain, if you will say it that way. So they weren't mm -hmm. speaking any kind of language. It was just gibberish in that sense. But they found in the same breath that much of the same activity that would happen during like middle ancient near Eastern or middle Eastern cultic rituals was being engaged. And so that was a, a wild thing in one sense of being able to see, okay, as much as people would want to say, this is a valid language, <clears throat> there was nothing uh, scientifically intelligible about it. And again, that's something you say um, to a group of people who are continuationists and it's offensive, but I look at this whole, aspect of things within the arguments it's like okay at some point we have to be willing to offend if the sake of the truth is actually at stake here and when it comes down to it that's what we're trying to do um nobody's looking to be a jerk like you said you can joke around and be a little bit spicy from time to time uh, but at the end of the day what we're looking to do is lift up the very word of god and say this is what god has given us and this is what we should pour our energy into yeah that's right yeah. You know, I, I, and for clarity, for, for those that are hearing this and your mind may just be like, what in the world are they talking about? Um, we're, we're not saying that the Holy Spirit does not bless or give gifts to the church. Uh, Romans, Romans 12 is a great text. Romans 12, 69, Paul writes, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in, in our serving the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We see God bless the church. We see God. 
he's given gifts to the church in terms of teachers, exhortation, things like this. What we're saying has ended has been these miraculous gifts that Les, that Les mentioned earlier, the, the speaking in tongues, the, the healing and so on and so forth. And, and, and the reason is because we have the word of God. Now, these things were done for a time for a dispensation to validate the messenger and the message that was coming through the mouth and words of the apostles. But now that's done. We have God's word and it's sufficient. And those things are, are no longer needed. So we're not saying God is not active in the church. It's not like the Holy spirit is just backed off. He's incredibly active. He's indwelt in his people, but we have the word of God. We have everything that as it relates to uh, life and practice and for salvation within the church, like we, we have it, yeah. we have it. Therefore we don't need further revelation from God. We're also not saying God doesn't do miracles still, right? I mean, if God yeah. so chooses to heal people or God so chooses to um, do things that would be necessarily not normative within the church, he can do that. But that's, again, that idea of what's normative versus what you find in narrative, it's a key hermeneutical principle when you're looking at something in scripture and just asking the question, if it's normative, that means it's sanctioned for the practice of the church. If it's narrative, if it's telling the story of how these things came to be or simply what happened at that time, that's not necessarily what is sanctioned practice. So yeah. at the end of the day, um, you're looking at all those different things in conjunction and saying, does this build a proper ecclesiology or practice of the church or doctrine of the church? And that gets into the continuationists are saying that it it is a command in Scripture, um, specifically in First Corinthians, Paul he does say um, to participate in these gifts and especially prophecy. Mm. Um, and so he actually does encourage Christians to do this. And so that gets very confusing to people. And, you know, uh, yeah. so, so you're right there. Paul says that we, we should all pursue it. Um, but again, this is, and cessationism is one another one of those wonderful doctrines that's built on good and necessary consequence, not not on some exact verse that says this will cease at this point. Mm -hmm. um, it is an understanding of the purpose of those gifts and the foundational period, and and then also there's I mean there's a necessity to understand once the canon is closed then God is no longer speaking in that way. There's, there is no new revelation if the canon is, is closed. So to say that God is speaking new revelation to you on a personal level, well, you know, how can you distinguish that from Scripture? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and th there's lots of sort of arguments you can make, but at the end of the day, you you're still saying God is revealing new information about himself or about salvation or about my life. And to not put that on the same level as scripture, there, there, there's no way to make sense of it. You right. can try, right. but it doesn't make sense. I would even argue that many continuationists advocate for a form of cessationism in one way. So hmm. you look at Deuteronomy 13, what are the qualifications for one who's going to prophesy, Right. If they falsely prophesy, they are to be stoned and put to death. There's that just reality of the Old Testament, how seriously God and Israel were to regard somebody coming up and saying, I have a revelation from the Lord, so to speak. Um, your modern day continuationists all, I, I don't think I've interacted with a single one, but all of them will pretty much argue that you can be wrong in prophecy. 
because it's really not that big of a deal. Prophecy has changed, in other words, from mm. how they see it in the Old Testament. Yep. So those are things that when you start to get into particulars of it, on, on the surface level, it can sound great, right? Um, especially when you look at it, and I think people are trying to just experientially have something that's, I don't want to say fun, but exciting, so to speak might sound great on the surface, but once you start to dig into it and poke and prod and figure out, okay, this is how the Old Testament relegated prophecy. This is how Paul says that people that speak in tongues are to actually do so. Um, they were known languages. They were to be done orderly, as he talks about in First Corinthians. And so whenever you see the practice actually done, there's a means by which they've actually neglected how Paul has instructed them to do so in the first place or scripture has. Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And they do have a, a reason or a, they've, they've come to develop a, uh, a reasoning about the new te new Testament prophecy being different than mm -hmm. old Testament prophecy. Yeah. There's an entire section of the movie. It's actually the longest um, chapter in the in the movie that deals with prophecy and uh yeah they they have definitely uh they've decided that new testament prophecy is different than old testament prophecy um and that it's specifically uh imperfect that mm. that it, it can be faulty and they even have an example in the new testament that they point to uh the prophet agabus with that they claim um prophesied incorrectly and uh you know he he missed it and so then they you know take other data in like uh that paul says we should t that, that the prophets should be tested and things like that and they say well that's only that only makes sense if you can get your prophecy wrong and then here's agabus who also got his prophecy wrong so prophecy can be wrong and you know you don't have to stone anybody to death anymore so they so they're out there you know prophesying these these modern day prophets uh, and they do um you know people prophesy who's going to become the next president and when they're wrong it nothing happens yeah because okay. they uh some of them have decided they have to apologize to the body of christ and as long as they apologize for misleading the body of christ then they're, then they're good <clears throat> which is that's messed up um, you're just out there misleading people and yeah. as long as my bad. my bad, but, but what do you mean you're bad? Like who it, weren't you, were you hearing from God or, or not? And they say, well, I'm not a false prophet now, but you, so did you mishear God or did God misspeak to you? Cause yeah. that's, that's pretty confusing. And, and, and then they say, that's kind of the, the craziest thing is that they'll say that they need to reevaluate, um, what went wrong? You know, how did I, what, how did I mishear this? Uh, and I'll do better next time. What in the world, how, how do you, how do you improve your prophecy? How do you improve your ability to prophesy? What, what, like what, what practices are you doing? What exercises yeah. is it some kind of, it would have to be some kind of exercise yeah. that you're participating in to get that muscle stronger. So you can right. hear from God better. Like, what are you saying? It yeah. doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense because yeah, we know in the Bible, what prophecy was, was God inspiring the mind itself to speak truth <laughs> as God, as God led. They were carried along by the spirit. No, you can't get that wrong. God's, yeah. God's speaking through you as an instrument. 
you, there's no, there's no, and if, and if in the old Testament clearly, and then I would say that obviously isn't changing at all, but uh, if you prove yourself to be someone who's claiming to be speaking for God and it, pro- it shows itself to be false, you, you were, you were killed. Yeah. So yep. yeah, God takes it very seriously. He does. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie a little bit. So Les, what, where did this movie come from? Why make a movie about cessationism? How did you get started on this path? Where, where did the origin of this whole thing begin? So um, I made, I've made a couple of theological documentaries, uh, Calvinist and Spirit and Truth. And uh, then in a different part of the country, these two guys, David Lovey and Tim Cannon, they uh, they got this idea for a movie about cessationism, <clears throat> and they didn't really know what they were doing. I mean, they were passionate enough, and they went to G3, yeah. and they interviewed a bunch of guys. And uh, they so they had this footage. I shouldn't say they didn't know what they were doing. They 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 were they were uh, at some point they kind of reached the end of of what they were able to do with the footage. Sure. Um, and Tim, especially, you know, was very familiar with my work. And he just he's like, ah, let's just let's just see if Les is available and if, if he's willing to <clears throat> to work on this. So they sent me uh, a, a trailer that they had cut together. It was like very violin music and, uh, a, you know, just guys saying a bunch of things about cessationism. And I, you know, I, I was like, oh, the trailer looks interesting. Send it to me and I'll recut it. Mm-hmm. And so I recut it and put in all the drops and all the crazy stuff. And uh, in that process of just recutting the trailer, which is all they were asking me to do at the time, I was like, do you guys need help with this? Because this looks pretty interesting. Yeah. And so I came on as a partner. So the three of us ended up for the next more than a year um, making the film. We did a Kickstarter. Raise some funds and all that. Uh, so yeah, the subject matter at the beginning was really not something I was overly interested in. Uh, I was a cessationist, but I really couldn't defend it too much. And it was more one of those things of like all the all of my uh, theological heroes believe this, so like I'm just going to trust that they're probably right. right. And 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 when I look at speaking in tongues, it's obviously very silly to me. So, um, I, so I was like a cessationist by default. And, uh, as I started looking into it, uh, you know, I, I became more and more interested. And, in, uh, so now it, I, I'm kind of passionate about it at this point. Hmm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dangerous. It is a dangerous movement. Continuationism. It's, uh, it's worse than people, uh, realize. So. Yeah. 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 Well, why do you think, and maybe we touched on this a little bit, but why do you think people are so drawn to partake in these things? Why do you think that, because this idea of continue, continuation, if my, and you, you're probably more up on it than I am, my, my, my sense is this isn't really something that began until maybe the second great awakening. Like we didn't get this, this huge sense of, of this charismatic continuationism, the miraculous gifts thing. This didn't start until maybe the second great awakening or, or shortly thereafter. It's my, my back of the napkin church history. Why are people drawn to that? Like what, what about it do you think is, is so appealing to the average evangelical Christian? 
Yeah, I mean, it didn't. So, so throughout church history, things popped up here and there. You'd have prophets claiming to bring new prophecy. You'd, you'd have um, even, I mean, speaking in tongues, uh, as has been mentioned, was yeah. it's it's people and other religions do this. Um, Hinduism literally speaks in tongues. Uh, Kundalini, uh, they speak in tongues in exactly the same way. It's not even like slightly different. Oh, wow. It's just the yep. same exact thing. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's popped up throughout church history, but every single time it is shown to be not what the Bible was doing. And those people were also heretics, all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, every time these new prophets and these gifts popped up, it was, it was always heretical or attached it to heretical um, uh, heresy. So yeah, the 1900s, the really the turn of the century mm. um, is when, is when the modern charismatic movement started to, be birthed and the the only unique thing about it is that not all of them were heretics so they were they were doing this weird stuff but also it was being folded into evangelical doctrine so people were actually saying you can be you know justified by faith alone and um and they weren't making the kinds of prophecies that would prove themselves to be heretics, I, I guess. Um, and so it kind of folded in. So I think it, it is, it's a difficult thing to sort of diagnose why, because it's very easy to say, well, the natural mind, an unregenerate person that doesn't actually know God, what kind of religion are they going to want to experience? Well, hmm. something they can feel, something they can, you know, it's got to impress itself upon me because otherwise religion is very boring and, you know, and if you're not truly regenerate, then, you know, what's, what's the point at all? So you can see the appeal of, of a religion that is very experiential and gets your adrenaline going. Uh, yeah, like that's the kind of religion I'd want to participate in if I was an unbeliever. Right. <clears throat> so... So from that aspect, it's it's just a uh, a fake Christian. It's a you know off brand Christianity that offers you a, a really great experience. Yeah. Uh, but so it's so the real question is why are real Christians people that appear to be you know saved like why are they participating in these things? Yeah. And so like. Like Sam Storms, you know, he's like a, like a pretty, he's a solid, uh, Calvinistic, uh, Christian for all, you know, by all, by all the evidence. But then he says that he, he speaks in tongues. He prays in tongues every morning, every single day, he prays in tongues. I just can't, I just can't imagine this happening And, and, and you can't see it because he never does it publicly. He never, these things are all things he says he believes, but then he doesn't, he doesn't do them on video ever, or like in front of people ever. He, has, he never prophesies, he never lays, or he never heals people, and he never speaks in tongues publicly. Why is that? Well, it's because it's really embarrassing. Like the whole thing, I think at the end of the day, everybody who takes this stuff 
who takes theology seriously understands that it's just very embarrassing. It's yeah. not, it's silly. Um, so I think there's a, there's a disconnect there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I do not understand the appeal for theologically serious people to have anything to do with this stuff. John Piper, Wayne Grudem, yeah. like it just doesn't make any sense to me, but um, so yeah, I, I can't, even after making an entire documentary, I still can't answer that particular question. Mm. You know, I, I don't know if either of you have experience in the charismatic church. When I first became a Christian, I was uh, a gentleman shared the gospel with me. who was like a bivocational pastor at my high school. I was going into my senior year. And so he was a part-time pastor and he was a teacher at the school and he invited me to church and, and the Lord saved me in a extraordinarily wacky charismatic church. Like this was one, I say he was a pastor. He was kind of, I would, he was the administrator because there wasn't, there wasn't really a pastor. Everyone would meet in this room with, uh, in the strip mall in small East town, uh, East Texas, like, and it was just a bunch of chairs. And then basically the message would be whoever got a word that, that day. Like, and I remember distinctly, like there was, uh, one of the guys who went there, he, he got a word from on his tractor the day before. So he stood up and rambled about something for like 20, 30 <laughs> minutes. And at the time, <laughs> And that, that was it. Like that was church. Like, and, mm -hmm. and at the time I, I didn't know any different. Like I didn't know any different. I was just so happy to be in church, like to be in a building that was saying, proclaiming Jesus. Right. And I was there for about a year. When I went to college, I, I got involved in a Baptist collegiate ministry organization with those student ministry uh, organizations. And I met some Calvinists and that was like the first time in my life I ever had anyone basically address theology with me because there was no sermons really in this church. And they, and it was, you know, that's how I became a Calvinist, but how I became a Calvinist was also how I got really introduced to doctrine and the word of God. And it was, I was challenged with God's sovereignty. And when I went to God's word, I'd say, ah, these guys are crazy, free will, blah, 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 predestination. That's not in here. Having that little bit of a framework about God's sovereignty, I distinctly remember reading the book of Ephesians for the first time. And I was like, I think I understood that. And, and it was just a little bit of context, a little bit of theology, a little bit of framework. And I began to, and, and at that point in time, it was a big moment for me and how the Lord used that because at that point in time, I began to realize, and, and I wouldn't have used the word continuationism or say, like, I didn't know these, these phrases, but I began to see this, this stark contrast of these guys over here were giving me quote unquote revelation from God. And it made no sense to me. And I went an entire year in my Christian walk, not being edified whatsoever. And then I meet these Calvinists who just want to debate, debate loosely. They, they were very kind. They're very gracious. They were walking me through it, but, but debate and kind of walk through, okay, well, let's look at predestination. Let's look at what God's word says. And just having a little bit of a framework to say, okay, here's a doctrine. Let's go to the word of God and interpret and see if this is reality. Changed yep, my life. Yep. Like the Lord used scripture and I, and, and it didn't take long after that. And again, now, now I can say these words, but I, but I, I saw the error of continuationism. I saw the error of, of relying on revelation because ultimately I got nothing out of it except a few good, a few good stories about some, some wacky stuff that I saw. Uh, which I would not call miracles, by the way. But <laughs> you got the the leg lengthening tricks going on. 
No, no, maybe some leg shortening. I don't know. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was a lot of running. Yeah, when, I, when I first became a Christian, that was it was very very similar. I I ended up in a an IHOP church. Mm. Uh, tre- uh, it was called Treasure Coast House of Prayer, um, Tea Chop, and uh, is that international I didn't know inter- International House of Prayer is that what IHOP is? Yeah, International yep. House of Prayer is yeah, the, yeah, okay. is what IHOP. Not the restaurant. Uh, but this is like the the Treasure Coast, Florida. Um, I, I guess I don't even know if they were officially associated or not, but um, it was all women uh, in the leadership. Uh, some some uh, meetings, not a word of English would even be spoken. It would just be in tongues, and yeah. they would just babble in the front of this church. People would roll on the ground and laugh, um, and I just knew that I loved Jesus. I had just re- yeah. recently, you know, learned the gospel. And so there was a cross in there. And so I would just look at the cross and the, remember the things I knew about Jesus. And I would weep sometimes because it was, it was very, very emotional. Yeah. Um, uh, so like it, it, it was sort of worshipful just because I was a new believer. And I just knew that I guess these people also love Jesus and this is what it looks like to love Jesus. Uh, but uh, that I actually got baptized in that church by a man fortunately. And he was technically ordained, I guess. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm, te- I should look into this. I don't know if I'm baptized. <laughs> um, well, you are talking to the Baptist admin. So I'll be like, well, Les, uh, I'm outnumbered today by Presbyterians, but yeah. Should, yeah. But so when, when I, when I ended up leaving that and something weird, like I met my wife and not in that church, but I dragged her into it uh, for a little bit. And I was there for nine months to a year or whatever. Uh, but multiple times this the charismatic movement tried to send a messenger from god to me to tell me that i'm not supposed to marry this woman or hmm. there's this one so my name is less right and in the in one service this one woman that i knew wanted me to get with uh this girl she knew down in west palm beach that's who she wanted me to marry uh but i brought my wife to this meeting at a girlfriend fiance at the time. And she's in front of the, she's in the front, they're going down the line, they're doing the laying on of hands, they're praying over the people. And, uh, I'm sitting there, I was sitting in a, a seat in the, in the room and she's, she puts her hands on my fiance's head and she starts chanting, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. And and I'm just like, oh. at first I was like, oh, okay, okay, this is encouraging. And then I'm like, wait a second. Are you doing what I think you're doing? How many S's? One S, S, S or two. One S or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spell that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, so I went once I left all that behind and we I went to like, you know, whatever, evangelical, silly, uh, better than that church. Um, it, But it, I never really looked back on it and was like, I never studied why it was so crazy. It was just like, oh, that was that was a weird time. And that stuff was in it as I became a Calvinist and everything. It was just like, all right. So those people had no idea what they were doing. That's it's whatever. But uh, yeah, the it's 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 crazy stuff. It is. Oh, yeah. I, I had my, my favorite story is in that church I was at. It was an elderly lady. She came up to me and I was I played guitar at the time. So that was like my thing. I was like the cool high school guitar guy. And uh, and she came up to me and, and prophesied over me one time that I would become 
a world famous tubular bells player. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even today I'm I'll be 40 in like three weeks. I don't even know what a tubular bell is. If I saw one, <laughs> I don't know that I'd be like, that's a tubular bell. <laughs> Uh, there's a, there's a demand. There's a demand out there. The there's, world a, there's a need. You just yes. wait, Jack. <laughs> yeah, one of these I'm days. In late. The proverb says you got about until you know seventy, maybe eighty. So it could happen still. Yeah, right? it could happen. Well, if you if you Google tubular bells to find out if you you're probably gonna get this tingling in your in your chest. <laughs> like that's it. That's, that's a tubular it, yeah. bell. And now your Look life is that's my time. One track mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so Les, so t tell me about some of the the because I've I've seen the trailers and stuff you've done. It looks like you got some very cool interviews and sound clips and stuff look great in the trailers I've seen. C can you share a little bit? Uh, pull the curtain up and share with us maybe some teachers or some people that you interviewed. Who, who can we expect to see in this film? Yeah, um, so Stephen Lawson. These are yeah. my these are my headlines that I put on the the DVD box. Uh, Stephen Lawson, Joel Beakey, um, Tom Pennington. He's, uh, if people aren't familiar with him, he's uh, very, very good on this. He was one of the, the best um, people. If, if you watch the Strange Fire conference uh, that Grace did, Grace Church, uh, John MacArthur's church did, uh, Tom Pennington, he, he also wrote a book on cessationism that will go uh, along with our movie in a deluxe edition that was made. Um, yeah, like Phil Johnson, uh, Justin Peters, all the, all the big hitters when it comes to, to this stuff. Uh, yeah, if you watch strange fire, it's most of the guys that, uh, that were in strange fire. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like Justin Peters, he has an entire channel devoted to this stuff. He talks yeah. about it all the time. Uh, he's, he's very good on this. So, uh, yeah, that's great. That's a good lineup. That's a really good lineup. Yes. I'm excited to see yeah. it. And so, we're about a week out from G3. You're I saw this. You're premiering it at G3, right? Yep. Yep. So if you're coming to G3, uh, stick around Thursday night after the – I think Lawson is the last speaker that night. And then I think like half an hour later, they're going to hmm. gonna show the whole movie. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, Grayson, you're going to be there, right? I am. Yeah, so I plan yeah. to stick around to see that. Nice. Nice, very cool. That that whole conference, I mean, the people they got lined up for it is stupid good. When I'm looking at all the people coming to speak at G3, but yep, yeah, yeah, Damn. sovereignty of God. It's going to be a good conference. Yep, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, okay, so when when officially we're premiering, you're premiering it at G3. When does it officially become available to the public? How can people find it? How can they find this film? Where, where should they go to, to access it? So it's premiering on the 21st at G3 that evening. And then uh, midnight the next day, the 22nd, it'll be available. Right now, it is available on Vimeo uh, or will be available on the 22nd on Vimeo. You can pre-order it now. Uh, so if you go to cessationistmovie.com, I think that's currently just going to G3 where you can also buy a um a physical physical copies of the movie uh they've created a deluxe edition g3 has uh so it's the movie it's a second disc with behind the scenes stuff and extra you know extended interviews and things like that then they have tom pennington's book and this uh timeline guide on 
on cessationism and a bunch of other stuff. So uh, if you go to cessationistmovie.com or go over to G3's website, they're selling the the deluxe edition. Nice. Nice. So what is, uh, so you're wrapping up this project. What's, what's next for, for less land fear? Well, I'm going to be spending some more time on cessationism because we're yeah. turning, we're going to turn this content. Uh, we're going to make a, a study series with it. Oh, there, cool. There'll be a whole announcement sure. around, around that. <clears throat> it's going to be, yeah, there's, there's some, some big announcements coming, um, soon around the project. And then, uh, I don't know. I, I have this, this is really my passion. I really do like, um, this theological documentaries. Uh, the sovereignty of God is a movie I would very much like to make, mm. uh, a movie on the Trinity, I think would be awesome. Yeah. And then one day I'm going to just cut my audience in half and make a pedo baptism movie. <laughs> there you uh, go. We'll get there. After <laughs> I'm in I'm, for that. <laughs> All right. Well, as we wrap up, I thought, I thought maybe a good way to wrap up here because inevitably there's going to be someone and if maybe, maybe they've already shut it off at this point, I don't know, some continuist who's, who's very bothered by this discussion, but if you're a continuationist and meaning you're, you embrace the miraculous gifts, you think they still happen. Um, and you've made it this far. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I would like to maybe end, let's say a word to these people. How would you respond, uh, Les Grayson, how would you respond to someone who thinks they've received a prophecy or word from the Lord? So someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I've received this revelation, right? How would you respond or what kind of coaching advice? Uh, how would you respond to that person? Well, I, yeah, I would tell them to test it against the scriptures. <clears throat> um, the, yeah, I mean, the, so it, it would have to be a discussion. It was like a theological debate at that point. Like, like yeah. how, you know, where, where are you coming to the conclusion that, um, that the Lord is still speaking in this way and he's, that he's speaking to you. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's because if they're not convinced of, of from scripture that they can't hear it, it doesn't even matter if the prophecy comes true, hmm. um, which is, you know, so if it fails, well, that's okay. Cause sometimes you, you, you hear wrong from the Lord. So, uh, yeah, it's, it has to be a theological discussion and, um, with a lot of emotions attached. So it's basically like, you know, we're just right back at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you gotta, you gotta work through it. So it's, you know, just lovingly. And if I was, and if I was being spicy at the time, I might ask, well, oh, does God speak in an American accent? Like, what exactly does he sound like? <laughs> um, because maybe, maybe that's just your own thoughts. And he's and you know, it, isn't it weird that his voice sounds just like your own voice? Mm. He talks just like you. Um, but yes, I mean, that's not how I'd actually do it. I would, I would, I would do it lovingly and <laughs> take it to scripture, but it, it's, it's a labor. It would be a, a laborious is, yeah. thing to convince somebody that they're not hearing from the Lord, which yeah. is unfortunate. Yeah. Yep. Uh, uh, go ahead, Grayson. I was just going to say, I think off the cuff with that, um, I've had those conversations with people before and online, they almost always only go one way. So what I would try to do, if it's somebody I knew in person that I had influence with and everything like that, I would try to just sit down with them over a period of time <clears throat> and just say, let's just examine the text. Um, let's just continue to go through it. But the big thing, I mean, if you're listening to this today and 
you land on the opposite side of it. The thing I would caution you in, and I think all three of us would, um, Jeremiah talks about the heart being desperately sick and deceived above all else. And that plays into the life of the unbeliever heavily, but it also plays into the life of the believer still, where there is this constant reality of indwelling sin. And part of that is that we have to do the hard work of discerning our own hearts and asking, we might desperately want something to be true, but that doesn't make it true. Um, so what do we go to as the absolute standard to know what is true? It has yeah. to be the word of God. Everything else will leave us open to all sorts of different, um, I don't want to say spiritual attack, but I would even argue that. But there's also the, just the reality of we're always going to be cut short on our own maturity and in our walk with Christ if we're looking to something outside of the word of God as the ultimate authority. Um, we're all reformed here. So one of the, the blessed things of the Reformation was sola scriptura. And the idea is not that there's no other disciplines that can't inform our understanding of scripture, but at, at the end of the day, the authority that matters has to be scripture. And without yeah. that, there's all sorts of different practices and beliefs that can come about that are just plain dangerous. Absolutely. Amen. All right. Amen. Okay. Well, anything else you want to tell us about the film or, or share with before we wrap up, Les? No, no, I'm, I'm excited to see what people think. I'm, I'm uh, excited to see the reaction from the, the charismatic movement. Um, fortunately, I have pretty thick skin, but uh, I think I think people are going to get very, very upset, which uh, yeah. I think is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I was when I was first challenged with it, I was angry. I yep. was angry, but ultimately the word of God. <clears throat> It, it it nullified the anger and and tilted my view. Stopped looking inward and started looking at Scripture and then upward towards the Lord. Like I began to see Christ in Scripture and stopped thinking about my tubular bells prophecy. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, Les. Well, thanks. Thanks for hopping on with us. Uh, this has been the course in the chaos. Until next time. Mm -hmm.